The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Into the Net FC, the soccer talk discussion segment of the Bear of Texas podcast. This is the Bear of Texas reporting live from an undisclosed location deep in the heart of Texas. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my honor to welcome back my good friend and mentor in beautiful and sunny Southern California. Let's give it up for Mr. Steve Adams. What's going on, Steve? Hey, uh, the international break is what's going on. And um, some interesting international results, but uh, also a few injuries that have taken place during the international play, which is going to have some significant effect on some of the different clubs uh, that are out there. So where would you like to begin? Well, today is strictly about European football, and I'm talking about international football, and we're going to go ahead and start with the UEFA Nations League. Now, the Nations League is not over yet, but a couple of huge games have been wrapped up, and there's a lot of things to talk about the Nations League, but we will end it also with the Euro League. but we're going to go ahead and start with Nations League. First of all, i got to say, I'm surprised that somehow, someway, France beat Portugal on the road. I mean, the way they did, I mean... I never saw it coming. I thought Portugal was gonna was gonna destroy them. I mean, France was not the favorite going into that game. I can tell you that. France flat out outplayed Portugal in Lisbon. Uh, they were clearly the better of the two sides. Uh, Laurie still had to make some good saves during the game. I mean, Portugal definitely had some good looks at goal during the game, but uh, but France played very very well and wrapping up the group to make it to the semifinals. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, in Portugal's case. I mean, that's in the Nations League. If you don't finish first, you don't go anywhere. But if you don't, if you finish fourth, you get relegated. If you're second or third, you just stay put. You don't go anywhere. But for France to go in the, in the final four, I mean, that's a, a bit exciting. Yeah, I mean, the success continues. And uh, Didier Deschamps has been able to vet a few younger players in the process. And uh, today against Sweden, uh, he brought Mbappe on. Uh, in place of Lucas Taram. Taram played a pretty decent game for France, and uh, Mbappe had almost instantaneous effect on the game. Uh, he put an absolute slide rule perfect pass into the box for Olivier Giroud to put in his second goal of the game. And speaking of Giroud, two goals uh, today. He's eight goals away from breaking Thierry Henry's record. You know, wouldn't rule him out. You know, it's it's funny because he's not playing a whole lot with his club team, Chelsea, but uh, Deschamps has 
all the confidence in the world. And, you know, when he puts a number nine jersey on Giroux, the man produces. I think it's because Deshaun knows that Chelsea is making a huge mistake by not letting Giroud play. I mean, I understand Giroud is, is 34. I mean, he's not a young dude in his 20s. But the way Giroud plays, the way he can still score, he can dribble, he can play. I mean, it doesn't look like he's getting, he's quitting anytime soon. It looks like he's still got plenty of gas left in the tank. No question. No question. But uh, but good result. A uh, few goals scored in Paris today, and they beat the Swedes 4-2. to two. Yes, and Marcus Thuram actually provided provided the assist for Giroud's goal. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Thuram's uh, good form that he's shown with Borussia Mönchengladbach in club form, uh, he's continuing to play pretty decently, and he makes a good case for uh, Didier Deschamps to include him with his squad for the Euros next summer. I mean, my, I mean that's why we don't compl- we don't exaggerate when we say that Didier Deschamps has the hardest job in the world. I mean, the French Football Federation, there's just always young talents ready to go. When one, one dude retires and one dude's career is over, bring the next guy up. I mean, there's just there's nearly unlimited talent out there for them. No, no question about it. Uh, Portugal, a team with uh, a lot of good talent, too. Um, and, of course, they'll be seeing France again. They're in that group of death with uh, France and uh, Germany that'll be uh, playing in uh, the Euros next summer. Yeah, well, definitely kind of stressed about that. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't look like, you know, speaking of Nations League, it doesn't look good for England because, you know, England in their uh, returning game against Belgium, you know, they, they lost. I mean, I mean, I'm looking at League A Group 2. I mean, Iceland's, you know, 0-5, you know, five straight losses. I mean, it looks like Iceland's kind of reverted back to that, you know, mediocre and disappointing uh, play. But, you know, it, it's sad, too. I mean, there's there are, like, dominance or, you know, but the best time of, of, of the national team's history was brief, but looks like looks like Belgium's going to walk away uh, on top of that group. This is Belgium's big chance. Uh, I mean, forget the Nations League. Uh, the sand is running out of the hourglass for this golden generation of Belgian players. So, I mean, yeah, it'll be all well and good for them to make the semifinals of the Euros, or excuse me, of the Nations League, but uh, really, they're they're gunning to try to win the Euros for their first ever major trophy as a nation. Yeah, no, it's, you know, Belgium's just not like France, you know, Belgium doesn't have always, like, numerous golden generations, I mean, as far as I know, Belgium only has two, I mean, this one right now that started back in 2014, you know, most, ex- most critics would say this is only their second golden generation in the national team's history. Well, I mean, let's not forget, too, I mean, Belgium is also a much, much smaller country. Yeah. And, I mean, granted, granted, it, the, the Netherlands is not a, a particularly big country either, and neither is Portugal, and they seem to be able to, you know, produce some talent, too, but there's going to be a, a little bit of a lag. I mean, France is a country of 60 million people, and uh, it, it it's, it's quite a big difference as opposed to being a country where you've got you know, maybe t- 10 or 11 million people like like Portugal and Belgium, I think, might be even less. So, um, but at any rate, uh, Belgium is in pretty good shape. Uh, if they if they even get a draw tomorrow, uh, Denmark and England play tomorrow. And uh, Denmark 
would have to not only beat England, but they would have to score like five goals. They'd have to win by five goals in the process and hope Belgium uh, gets a, a draw or a loss. So, well, if Belgium loses and Denmark were to beat England, then they would leapfrog. Then they would leapfrog them. But I just, I just don't see that happening. I don't see Iceland beating Belgium tomorrow. Unfortunately. And right now, uh, League A Group 1, you know, it's, it seems to be decided between Italy and the Netherlands. And both teams are playing tomorrow. Italy's playing Bosnia and Herzegovina, while the Netherlands would be playing uh, Poland on the road. And, you know, Italy and Poland will, excuse me, the Netherlands and Italy will both be on the road. So, I mean, if I were to take There's... a guess, it might be whoever has the better result. My, it, it might be decided on group, on a goal differential. If uh, if Poland were to win, um, well, they would have to win by a lot, though, uh, and, and hope that Italy loses. If Italy were to lose to Bosnia and Poland were to win, yeah, then Poland would, would leapfrog them. But then the process, too, if the shoe's on the other foot, if uh, the Netherlands gets a win and Italy gets a draw or loses, then Holland leapfrogs the Italians. That's what I like. That's what I love about international European soccer. You know, when there's all these big heavyweights on the same group, I mean, you just never know who's going to come out on top. Who's going to be? Who's ever going to finish happy, or who's going to end up being heartbroken? Well, on that subject too, going into the last group game in Group A four today, I thought that Spain playing at home would be the favorites anyway, but nobody. Nobody anticipated a 6-0 beatdown oh, of Germany. Wow. Hat trick by Torres of Manchester City. Um, you you really have to ask yourself if Joachim Lowe, after this miserable performance, and uh, frankly, Germany just hasn't looked very good in the past uh, couple of years. And uh, couple that with the fact that uh, in the last World Cup, they didn't make it out of group play. So not making it out of group play, uh, getting absolutely beat down and left for dead in Madrid today by the Spaniards. Uh, you, you have to wonder if some of those people over, um, over in the German Federation, you got to wonder if there's any talk of replace, replacing Lowe, but then the question is, who do you replace him with? That's a very good question. I was talking to my friend who's a strong supporter of the German national team, and, you know, look, you know, not for nothing. I mean, even if Joachim Lowe is sacked, you know, we the German Football Federation and you know the the country, you know, everybody. There's no denying that Joachim Lowe, what he did for the for the national team since 2006 is amazing. Oh. He took him to the Euro uh, final in 2008 where they lost to Spain. You know, a couple, he took him you know third place in 2010 with the World Cup. You know, they won the World Cup in 2014. You know, semifinals in 2016 in the Euro. You know. He did a lot, but you know it's sad to see what what ha- what's happened to Germany. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but this loss this is this is Germany's worst loss in competitive play ever. And uh, for, and Torres, he's only the second guy to have a hat trick against against Germany. And the last time uh, someone scored a hat trick against Germany was uh, an English dude in 2001 in a friendly, I believe. It's, it? it's been a it's been a while, but yeah. uh, but clearly there's going to be repercussions. Uh, with this type of result in Germany, I mean, we're not used to see the German national team being this slow. I mean, usually, I mean, they always end up, in, you know, in the World Cup last like ten years or so before 
twenty eight the twenty eighteen World Cup, they always finish at least like in the top four. They would either be the runners up or they would win it or they would go third place. Like Well, you're used to being the Germans being the hammer and not the nail. Yeah, I mean you know after what happened in the 2018 World Cup, I mean, when they lost in Mexico, I was like, okay, you know, maybe it's just one bad game because then they beat when they beat Sweden with Tony Cruz's then, amazing then, goal. Then they beat they they beat Sweden and then uh, South Korea in a game that they really had nothing to play for. The South Koreans just absolutely left their guts uh, on the pitch, and. They were able to to beat a German team, even though the South Koreans really had nothing to play for. So, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty catastrophic. But um, but again, if you fire low, who's going to get hired to replace them? That's that's my question. I know that uh, in the press today they had asked uh, former German star, German coach, and former. Uh, head coach of the United States, Jurgen Klinsmann. Klinsmann felt that it would not be a good idea to to fire low. That you know he still uh, will probably keep his job. So, but it, it'll be interesting to find out. Well, the fact that we don't know who is the guy to replace—that's probably why the German Football Federation feels that maybe we shouldn't fire Joaquim Low yet. I mean, to be fair, it might be better if they wait how the Euro turns out, but. If Germany has a horrible Euro, I mean, I guess I guess we can say for sure Joachim Low will definitely be sacked after that. Yeah. One, one thing we didn't get a chance to talk about yet, we found out the names of the last four teams that qualified for said Euros. Mm-hmm. And, so, you know, we're done with, uh, you know, I think we're done with Nations League, so we can go ahead and uh, fully focus on the Euro if you'd like. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Nations League, I mean, the last thing I'm going to say is I'm still trying to get enthusiastic about it. I'm still kind of like, eh, I don't know why they're doing this, but you know what? It is what it is. But let's go ahead and move on to the Euro. And first thing I'd like to say is congratulations to Scotland. I mean, I'm so happy for them. I mean, I'm, I'm actually going to root for Scotland. Aside from France, I'm rooting for Scotland in the Euro. I'm pretty, well, somebody with Scottish DNA, I'm pretty tickled to death. Um, Scotland has not qualified for a major tournament since the 98 uh, World Cup in France. So, they haven't qualified for a single Euro or a single World Cup since then. And then um, to go into Serbia, and uh, they had an early goal from Christie just after uh, the beginning of the second half, and then it looked like they were going to hang on in Belgrade for one zip win. And then Jovic gets a goal in the 90th minute. So as a Scottish supporter, you're just like, oh, crap, here we go again. Uh, Scotland is going to find a way to pull defeat from the jaws of victory. And then uh, no score uh, after extra time. And Scotland converted all of their penalties, and they, they beat Serbia 5-4. to four. So it was, it was a great win for them. And uh, the only, only downer in this whole thing is a Liverpool fan. The reports are that Andy Robertson, the Scottish captain who also is a left back and who provides a tremendous amount of uh, – Service great crosses from the left side for uh, Mo Salah and Sadio Mane and the other forwards for Liverpool. Uh, doesn't look like he's going to be able to play for Liverpool against Leicester City. So, of Liverpool's main four starting backs at the start of the year, Van Dyke, Gomez, Alexander Arnold, now Robertson, all four of them are out playing against Leicester City. But that's getting into the club stuff. But uh, but as a Scottish fan, yeah, 
tickled to death that they're able to qualify. And then, as luck would have it, they're going to be in the same group as the old enemy, uh, England, is in their group. Oh, but, you know, some might say, you know, the fact they put them both in the same group, maybe, maybe the whole thing is rigged. You know what? Who cares? Because, you know what? If Scotland's making a, a return after over 20 years from not making an, an international competition, you know what? Let's make it special. Let's have these two go at it. I mean, I think this is... I think this is just something huge. I mean, you know, this is Scotland's first Euro since 1996, all right? And Steve, I'm sorry to say this because it's going to make you feel old, but I was three years old last time Scotland was in a Euro. Yeah, it's been it's been quite a while. Um, but uh, but very happy with the result. And, um, you know, what, what can you say? And then um, speaking of X... Uh, parts of the former Yugoslavia, North Macedonia, they qualify for their first tournament as a nation. North Macedonia beats Georgia in Tbilisi, one zip. North Macedonia makes it. Um, Northern Ireland, unfortunately, um, they will not be partaking, and um, they lost one to two at home in just horrid conditions in Belfast to Slovakia. Slovakia got a goal in the um, 110th minute of the game. It, that game had to go to extra time, so the Slovaks are in. And then Hungary needed an injury time goal to win their game 2-1 to one against Iceland. And Iceland, of course, who played so well in the last Euros in France, uh, actually beat England. At, the, at those Euros. Uh, so Iceland won't be making a return trip to a big tournament. Uh, and then Hungary, which a lot of younger viewers may not realize, but once upon a time, uh, Hungarian soccer, they were the, the, the world beaters. They were synonymous with phenomenal soccer, the marvelous Magyars of the, of the early and mid-50s. This is a team that had humbled England uh, at home, they beat them something like seven to three at Wembley, some ridiculous score like that. Just humiliated England, um, made it to the '54 World Cup final. Uh, were upset by Germany in the final, but ever since then, Hungary has never been really that much of a world beater. Uh, really hasn't done much. They haven't won anything since then. So for for people who are a little nostalgic about old names being able to qualify for a major tournament, uh, it's it's nice to see Hungary back in, and they'll be playing uh, next summer. And luck, was, luck would have it, they're in the same group as Portugal, France, and Germany. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, that's not good. <laughs> not really good. But speaking also of a debut in the Euro, Finland. You know what? <laughs> And as soon as Finland qualified, you know, uh, I contacted an old friend of mine that was in uh, that I knew uh, that I've known since fifth grade. We were in the same class in fifth grade. He's from Finland, and, and I and I actually spoke to him, and he said, and he, he just the first thing he said, wait, oh, Finland qualified? Okay, because he explained that you know because you know in a country like Finland where hockey is, is the most popular sport, and I mean he says soccer is popular, but but it, people consider hockey you know the better sport. But he he just kind of like oh Finland's qualified? Okay, sweet. And then he's all like, and then he starts posting about it. So I was like, huh, I'm actually surprised he didn't know. But but then I understand why he didn't pay attention to it. But it's good to see Finland, you know, make make their debut as well. 
Well, not only that, they got a famous win uh, against France last week. Oh, so, yeah. so it was a friendly, and they won two zip at Paris. They pretty much the Finns had two two chances at goal. They cashed in on both of them, and um, it was probably the biggest win that uh, that Finland's ever had in, in soccer. I mean, short of qualifying for the Euros, so. Uh, it's it's kind of interesting with seeing you know some of these newer teams qualifying now. You could also argue though too though that the tournament now is so much more massive than than what it used to be. I mean, you know, once upon a time when I was a college student in France in um, 1980, when I was studying in in Paris, the Euros were going on that year in Italy. There were only eight teams that were in the Euros back then. There were two groups of four, and top two teams in each group made it to the semifinals, semifinal and final. It was it was a very, very short tournament back then. And you know, now, I mean, 16 teams, 16 teams for the Euros, and once upon a time for a World Cup, you only had 16 teams in the World Cup up until uh, – 1978 was the last year that there were 16 teams in the World Cup, and then they expanded it to 24 for the 82 World Cup, and then they just kept expanding over time. But uh, it's pretty incredible to think now that for the Euros, you're, you've got 16 teams that qualify. But then again, too, you've also got so many other countries that were created between the collapse of the Soviet Union and the breaking apart of the form of the Yugoslavia. I mean, the breaking apart of the of Yugoslavia that created. Let me think: Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia Herzegovina, Serbia, Kosovo, uh, North Macedonia. I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody in there, I think Mont but Montenegro as well. Yep, yep, Montenegro. So, I mean. It's pretty incredible, and I mean, Yugoslavia was not that huge of a country, and then look how many countries were created when that fell apart, and then when the old Soviet Union fell apart, well, that was a whole other thing. That just created a whole slew of countries, but I think, I think though, it, 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 it makes the tournament more interesting. You've got some, uh, some more fans that uh, can come, and um, I'm just hoping that we'll get that vaccine out there so that... We could actually have fans in the stands next summer, and um, it'll actually be be kind of a spectacle. There's actually been some talk, um, unrelated to national team stuff, but in England they've actually been toying with the idea in the EPL towards the latter part of December. They're hoping that they could allow a limited number of socially distant fans being able to attend the games. So, you know, here's hoping that for the Euros they'll be able to have some crowds. Well, I hope so because you know I really want things to go back to normal. So I'm really hoping there is a vaccine and things do end up going back to normal. But, but speaking, see, speaking of you know the old school Euro, see, my dad was you know told me like you know he remembers it very well when you know when France won the Euro back in 1984. You know this was I think three years after he left Syria to go to France. I mean back then he was probably I believe he was working on his PhD at the time. He had it was probably it was on the time he probably completed his master's. He was getting work on the PhD and. He tells me like yeah yeah that that summary he was a uh, obviously he was in Grenoble and you know he would always go around France especially in the south you know on the days like you know where there's no school 
because he, he, my dad loves to travel. He loves sightseeing. You know, that's his thing, and I love it too. But yeah, he asked him. like even a friend he's still friends with with today. He says, yeah, we, we would just go to the same bar, watch the games, and you know, what France was in the final. I, I mean, my dad just said he just went to the bar, watch it like it was no, like it was just some normal thing. But when France won, it, it finally got in his heart. Like he finally, it, it felt good. Like when France was in the final, he was just kind of like, okay, you know, France is in the final. They're the host. They're probably gonna win. Whatever, but then when France won, I mean, his life basically pretty much changed. Well, nineteen eighty four was also the year. It was by far and away Michel Platini's best year as a player. He scored nine goals for France in those Euros, uh, and France beat Spain to zip to win their first ever. Uh, well, at the senior level, it was the first major title. Um, I'm just trying to think. No, I was thinking that from the 84 Olympics in Los Angeles, France won the gold medal in that, but that was after the Euros. So, uh, But Michel Platini, if you look up uh, on YouTube and stuff, uh, his goals were just master class, and then uh, he played so well not just with France but with Juventus, uh, helped lead Juventus to win a Cup Winners' Cup, in 84 and then they the following year in 85 he led Juventus to win uh, what was then the Champions Cup now the Champions League but uh, but yeah that was that was pretty special stuff it was my dad was already a huge fan of Michel Platini because he, he explains that during that time he, he was just a fan of Platini not a fan of the national team overall he just loved Platini I mean back then you know the most popular players you know was Platini there was Maradona and there's Lots of other guys I probably don't even know, but, you know, he explains that, you know, just back then when he was younger in school, like, football was just so different than it is now. It's, I mean, you know, whenever people say, you know, it's a shame how Platini kind of tarnished his legacy because of all the scandals he has, but my dad basically says that, he says, well, when you were watching it back back then, you know, in his playing days, you think more of his playing career than you do about, about his career, like, you know, as a commissioner or director or whatever. I think I think Platini. You could draw almost a little bit of a parallel with Platini and uh, Pete Rose in baseball. Uh, Pete Rose played the game hard, and you could never say anything what he did as a player. It was later on when he was managing the Reds that he was betting on games and betting on his own team and stuff. Uh, Platini as a player, he was just fantastic, and there was nothing no scandal or anything really as a player, but then um, when he got involved with uh, being a high muckety-muck with UEFA, you know, that was where, unfortunately, he ran afoul of things and did some stuff that he shouldn't have done as far as taking money and bribes when he was with UEFA. It's a, it's a tragic thing. Um, because he was he was such a he was such a great soccer player he was such a great sportsman but uh, it's it is too bad you know that that's kind of tarnished his image uh, a bit. I mean, it, it is, and you know, and when, and when my dad explains, you know, that you know when you watched him, you know, in his prime, you watched all those great years, you know, like he did and just like you did. I don't know how it goes to you, but my dad basically says, I, he says that he just basically focuses on the playing days. He thinks more of Platini's playing career, those accomplishments that he does about his, you know, about with UEFA. And, and it makes sense. And, and, you yes. know, with the whole Euro, I mean, you know, my dad tells me that I'm very lucky to watch the Euro 
being competitive like it is today. But he does. But it, a lot of people will say because I, I spoke. I spoke to some soccer fans who were watching it back then. So well, back then it was fun to watch because that's how it was. But then when it, it as it expands and it expands, the excitement and the composition just gets heavier and heavier, which makes the sport look even better. Well, let's not forget too that Platini also is very instrumental in France getting awarded the World Cup in 1998, and uh, he was also a high executive with. Uh, the FFF Federation Française de Football. So he was a high functionary with that. He was a, a high functionary of, of the World Cup community committee for that World Cup in France. So uh, you know, let's let's not forget that you know he was involved with that and he was very very successful for that. It was a successful tournament as far as the the attendance, and uh, it was ultimately a successful result for France in winning their first World Cup. It was, and basically, you know, the, there's just more positives to think about when it comes to Platina than there is negatives. It's just that it's really sad that, unfortunately, all the scales and everything, it kind of brings a huge dark storm cloud over over the, the bright sunshine uh, that, that was his playing career. It's just, it's a shame, really. No, no, no question. But as most people say, it's his fault. Hey, so as we wrap up Euro, now it's too early to make predictions, but we can talk about favorites if you'd like. Well, I, I still think right now, I think Belgium, France, Portugal, Holland, uh, those right right there. I think England certainly can be in the mix as well. England is not going to win that group. But, uh, you know, some of these guys that are getting a chance to wear the, the England shirt, uh like like Grealish, for example, he's showing that he belongs, and uh, that England is doing a good job of introducing players to the squad as well. And um, you know, let's not forget uh, they did make it to the semifinals of the last World Cup, and uh, I I think the team is stronger and deeper now than it was uh, in Russia two years ago. I think England's certainly gotten better. See, I, and I like how you say uh, England's not going to win the group. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure you. I'm sure you know in your case, Scotland's going to win the group. But, but I. But speaking of that, I love how the third game between the two. It's like it's their third game. So, so I kind of describe as I describe in that article which I wrote. Which, by the way, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for reading and sharing, Steve. But I explained that Scotland England, like that that game between the two, it could be the decider on who wins the group. I mean, that's another thing that makes the whole thing special. Well, and let's not forget Croatia's in the group too, and Croatia is not that terribly far removed from making a great run and making it to the final of the last World Cup, and uh, they've still got some pretty decent players. Uh, I think that was really kind of their peak, that group of players, but uh, but it's still a pretty decent side. Yeah, it is. I mean, Croatia's kind of like, you know... They're still like still not to be underestimated, but they've kind of fallen down. I mean, they're, they're they're certainly not the strong, brave, disciplined team that they were in Russia. But but I still would not count them out. And as far as the Czech Republic goes, I mean, when I think of the Czech Republic national team, I I kind of think of the nineteen ninety six semi final when unfortunately they they eliminated they eliminated France. You know, which if you hear the story, I mean, my dad was out of town. You know, he was in England. I was I, I would not stop crying. I would not stop putting up a fuss because France lost. <laughs> so my mom had to find a way. So she took me to the park to 
She took me to the park to calm me down. You know, I, I always bring up that story, but but as far as what? the Czech Republic goes, I mean, they've they've had more. Like they've played better in, in European competition. I mean, the World Cup, as far as I know, I'm not sure the last time they ever. Qual- I think the last time they qualified for the World Cup was in 1990 or or probably 2002 or 2006. I think. I'm trying to think. I know for sure they were in 1990 because they were the same group as the U.S. and they beat the U.S. in the World Cup. Oh, they were in 2006. Um, Actually, yeah, they were the same group as uh, as the U.S. and Italy, I believe. Yeah, that's right. That was yeah, that was a brutally tough group. Um, yeah, so it was a terribly disappointing uh, World Cup for the U.S. in, in that time. But um, but at, but at any rate. Um, We'll we'll see what happens with the those last nation league matches tomorrow to see who the other two teams will be that will uh, will be in the semifinals for the nations cup. Absolutely. So as we wrap it up, uh, my favorites. I'm I'm with you. I think France, Belgium, and Portugal are definitely the top favorites. As far as a dark a dark horse goes, I think Italy certainly has the potential of being of being the dark horse. I think Italy could be the dark horse, and another one. I think Scot- Scotland has potential. But we'll have to see how, how things go in the group stage. But I think either Italy or Spain could definitely be the dark horses of this tournament. Well, Spain has shown that they're very much alive. Uh, I mean, they put on a clinic against Germany today, and um, I mean that's that's still a pretty loaded team, and uh, they're they're introducing some very good young players as well into that squad. So, uh, you know, it's it's a team that certainly could make a very, very deep run in that tournament as well. Absolutely. I mean, I just hope that, I just hope France, please win it, please win it, because I want the dominance to continue. You know, everybody's, because my, my friend, is, is he's sticking with the gun. He still thinks it's going to be France and England in the final. And he says if that happens, England may be the favorite on paper, but France is the one that, that's got the better talent. But then again, I'll, I'll tell him, France and England are the same overall in history. They both have the talent, but they lack the focus. I mean, somehow France got it done twice, as England did back in 66, although when they won in 66, it was under controversial circumstances, which I don't want to get into because it's, you know, a lot of talking and debating. But but overall, England and France, they both have the talent, but they have the same problem. It's mentality, and they lack the concentration and discipline. I think man for man, France is much better, and I think they're much deeper than England. Um, England is vastly improved, but um, but England England does have enough talent now, especially as far as getting young goal scoring talent. Uh, they could they're at a point now though where if you're not playing your best ball, they can they can punish you now. So um, we'll we'll just have to wait and see. We'll just have to wait and see indeed. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this wraps up this episode on European Football Talk. I'd like to remind everybody that Into the Net FC is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Steve, I want to thank you very, very much for joining me to talk some European football. I look forward to talking Premier League football and Champions League football soon. We will look forward to that. All right. Y'all have a good night. We'll see y'all soon. Alrighty, have a good week, everybody. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca Cola, Pepsi, or 7 Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.